This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's No Name Ever podcast. Um, I'm James Bird and I'm the host this week. Uh, we're going to be taking a look back at West Brom on uh, Saturday afternoon and taking a little look forward to Blackburn and Tottenham uh, that are to come over the next week. Uh, we've got a special guest with us this week as uh, Natalie has decided that it's more fun to do something other than talk about Burnley. Um, so we've got Visa uh, with us. Uh, some of you may know him from his YouTube videos. Um, we'll put a link down below. Uh, the podcast to his channel so you can take a look if you feel like it um so we'll start off with west brom uh obviously not the result i think we were hoping for when uh we were looking at our first premier league home game of the season uh, a little bit disappointing this that we were probably um in command of the game for the most part but um a lot like last season one defensive lapse cost us quite dearly um and it was possibly their only chance of the game uh so i'll come to you first kevin how did you feel about the the game? I think for me, uh, West Brom did a, did a Burnley on us. They their defending was resolute. They were very organised at the back uh, and really used many numbers to stop us really getting any any time and space in the box. Every time we got forward, they had ten men behind the ball. The, the box was packed out, so we really couldn't find that space which we needed, which is what we did so well last season. Similarly, they took their only chance of a game, which is, again, something we did last season. We were very good at... We didn't create many chances last season, but when we did, we were very good at putting them away. Um, and obviously, Hal robson Canoe came on. He was quite an aggressive forward uh, and really made that difference and was able to force his way through and score the goal. I think it was a slow start to the game. I think for the first 10 minutes or so, we were starting to, starting to wonder, is this going to be the Burnley versus West Brom game that probably the pundits all expected it to be? Uh, but after that, it actually became a really entertaining game. I think we were fantastic. We were by far the better team by by the end of the first half and then throughout most of the second half. We were creating chance after chance. Nice, patient football. We just we couldn't find that breakthrough, which is which is disappointing. Uh, obviously, it's bitterly disappointing to play so well and, and come away with nothing, but I think also quite encouraging that we, we're starting to play a, a bit of a system which I think we've, we've been wanting to see from Burnley for quite a while. So that's quite a fair assessment. And uh, yourself, Liam, what did, what did you think about the game? Um, it's just Tony Pulis doing a Tony Pulis, really. They really did the research on um, how he played against Chelsea, like, you know, our short, our short free kick t- tactics and all that good stuff. Um, they just did the research on what we did against Chelsea and that what I'm really, like, excited watching is that, like, we're doing some really good plays now. It's not just, like, hoofball and just, like, you know, Vox brings it down and then maybe try and go down the wings and then just, you know, we just kind of hope for the best. We, like, actually pass it around, with, you know, using the four cork and Hendrick. They've got, like, a really good, like, combination um, they've, like, seemed to build in the last, like, couple of weeks. So, I think it's just one of those games. I think there shouldn't be really, you know, much into it, you know, having to worry. Um, of course, having 20 shots and having none on target is a, you know, that's that. That's a very rare occasion that actually happens. But I think it's just a one-off kind of thing. We played really well, and yeah, I, I just think that it's just Tony Pulis is doing what he does best. And honestly, oh, I, th- I think that's fair to say. We we were definitely uh, researched quite well, and uh, you know it's showed in the game plan. Um, 
So we'll move on to a little bit more detailed conversation about the game. I think the the biggest thing, and it's been touched on just there, is we had chances and missed them. Um, 20 shots on at goal and none on target is, is pretty poor. And, and for me, there was some really like key moments where um, we really could have taken the game by the scruff of the neck. In particular, I think Volks in the first half had a you know a, a great opportunity after a really good piece of work by Cork in the middle, and he completely missed it. And it was very you know out of character to to see the ball come across his flight like that and and completely well not even be be close to it. He wasn't even the same postcode. Uh, and there was you know obviously the Ben Mee chance as well. I think that was in the first half. He's stretching for it, but he doesn't quite make it. And these are chances where on another day, you'd really put money on our players to, to put them away. Um, and obviously, we're made to made to pay for those. So, I mean, Kevin, what did you think about you know the chances we had that we didn't take? I think it's hard to judge, really. Um, first of all, against one of the most organised defences in the league, uh, probably one of the most organised defences in the country. Uh, like Viz has mentioned, it was a very... It was a very Tony Pulis, Pulis performance from then. It was massively effective. And like I said earlier, it's 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 what we did last season. And it, it really works in that respect. What we saw last season against us was many teams coming and really being forced to take lots of shots from distance because they couldn't get into the box to, to create anything close. And that's what we were resigned to at the end. I think we're, there were a couple of occasions, like you said, you mentioned the, the me uh, opportunity and the Sam Vokes header, which he missed. There was Walter. Uh, Walter's mid had a header at the end, which I think was a little bit too rushed. I think he had probably had more more time and space than he thought he had. Other than that, most of our opportunities were shots from outside the box and shots from a little bit too far out. And that's that's what West Brom made us do. I don't think there's... Obviously, one, one concern is that we, we struggled to change things up when it wasn't working. So it's all well and good saying that West Brom had a, an effective game plan in it and it, it worked and we, we struggled to break it through. But really what you want to be able to do in these opportunities is make a make a change. This is really going to affect that. And we, we I'm not sure we've got the the players to do that outside the outside the starting eleven more. We've got some fantastic quality outside the starting eleven, but I'm not sure that they offer too much variation from what we've got. Obviously, um he we changed the formation a little bit at the end, but you've still got three three attacking players who are quite similar to each other and I, I and in terms of how the, the whole team worked, it didn't seem to be a massive a massive change for me. So that's probably Probably the only concern. Some people have said, would Gray have made a difference? I'm not sure Andrew Gray does make a difference in this game. I think Gray was very good. He was probably at his most effective when he could really break past a back line uh, with pace. That was his, Andre Gray's main attribute was that pace and being able to fire fire past defenders and really race for own goal. That was never going to happen against against West Brom because they packed the defence so tightly. He was never going to be able to use his, his, his strongest attribute. So I'm not sure that Keep that if we'd still had Andrew Gray, that would have made a made a difference. So, and like you said, you know, obviously we did struggle to we struggled to get that shot on target. But you know, Vokes, like I say, is out of character. And if he's makes contact with that, that's a goal. Ben Mee's opportunity, nine times out of ten, he gets a clean connection on that, and it's a goal. Um, Walters, if he maybe looked up and saw that he had half a second longer than he thought he had, that's probably a goal as well. So we can we can save it. West Brom defended well. We can say that we didn't create a goal, a goal opportunity, but it, the, the margins were so were so were so small that I'm I'm not going to start looking at this and thinking this is a big sign and this is a big concern and we need to start worrying because on a, on a different day with a little bit a little bit more composure here and there we could have we could have scored three or four I think. For me personally, that. One thing that it screams out to me is that we're kind of lacking on like a plan B. Um, that you know when the subs were made, you know we subbed on Waters and that we, we play like a four-three-three with three strikers on top. All as as I said earlier, Kevin, all very similar. All you know, big your know, big men up in the air, physical, but there's no pace in the side. And is you look around the Premier League and more sides they need pace in their side. Now of course last year. I want like actual pace players you could really say is Andre Gray, and I think we will miss out on him just for that. Not on the actual finishing of it, but just like the fact that he has that pace that will potentially you know give the defense take a few steps back just in case, just because there's that possibility of that one through ball and they're caught out. Um, 
on the game myself that when I look at, you know, the chances that was that you know that Vorks had, me had, you know, I think it was just mis it's of course it was just misjudged and of course on another day it could be a completely different story. But something that we probably will touch upon later on in the podcast is about a couple you know, signings that it sounded like it's coming in and you know of a certain striker from Leeds and yet again even though he has scored 30 goals last season, Chris Wood is exactly the same kind of player as what Vox is, which when I'm on about a plan B, he hasn't got that much pace to him. He's just another physical player that could bring the ball down and probably hold the ball up. And, you know, I, I brought my opinions about Chris Wood earlier um, I, I, on Twitter and stuff like that. And that he still has a lot to prove to me because, I don't know, I'm just not a big fan of him, but well, kind of want to hear what you guys want to think about that also. No, I think Chris Wood's an interesting one. I'm not quite sure how different he is to to Sam Vokes. Um, you know, they're a similar sort of player, but then his record in the, the championship, you know, 27 goals last season in the league, uh, is, is astounding. It's, you know, sensational, really. Um, and I've seen some people say that Leeds fans have uh, said he's similar to Andre Gray and that he's got no touch. Um, his control's bad he, he takes a lot of chances to score but he can't be that bad if he managed to get 27 in a pretty tough league in the championship so uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people when we came up for Sam Volks wouldn't be able to do it at the, the top level I think he showed last season that when we play to his strengths he, he can and obviously we saw at Chelsea that he can uh, so I, I think I'd have to reserve judgement on, on getting an opportunity to see him but it'd be interesting to see what it means for the other players in the squad um, if he comes in, you know, is there still space for Ashley Barnes? I think I think that's the I think that's the that's the thing to look at for me. I certainly uh, I've seen a, a couple of local journalists uh, who've s- suggested that they're not convinced that that Wood will be our final striker signing of the summer. Um, that the, some of the the European players we're in for might still that might still come in as well. If that happens, that's great because that gives us a a, a different option which we've been looking for but that that then probably opens the door for Ashley Barnes to leave I'm not sure if, if you've we've got if you've got Vokes Woods Walters this other player and Barnes that that seems a little bit too much for me particularly when we're playing a, a 4-5-1 at the moment so it's 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 probably a sign of where we've come that if, if that was to happen it's, it's a sign of how far we've come that somebody like, like Barnes could be seen as uh, as disposable who I think has has, has been a, a good player for us and has a, a set of relatively good impact last season. Just because I don't want to get sidetracked too much away from the the West Brom game, but I'll I'll pose a, a quick yes no question to to both of you. Um, if Wood comes in, should that be our business done up front, or do we still need someone more in the vein of Gray with a bit of pace? Um, I'll go first for this one. Um, I think that. If we do sign Wood, then I think that means that I know I don't want to see him leave, but I think that one of the strikers has to go. And as of all strikers, I think Bonds may have to leave. As much as I love him, um, especially if we want to keep the, playing the four-five-one formation, like having a plan B is so important in Premier League because when you play against you know the West Broms, the like the Stokes, very hard teams to break down. That did a research that a plan B is so important and not just hoofing the ball up the top like what we pretty much did. For the remaining five minutes of game yesterday, um, but yeah, if we do sign, I think Chris Wood. I think we need to get another, even if it's like a youngster, a player on loan, something like that, just a bit more, a bit more pace to add something a bit extra. So, yeah, I'd go with that. Really, I think it's as much as as much as I'm, I, I like Bash, Ashley Barnes. I think he's a, he's been a, like I said, been been a very good player for us, and he's he can change games actually, which is. Is something we we've I, I talked about earlier. We lack a little bit. I think Ashley Barnes is one of those players. Although it's not particularly, it's not particularly his style of play. But he can come on and really rough things up a little bit, which proved effective on several occasions last season. Having said that, I, I think the priority for us is having somebody completely different up front, somebody with a bit of pace, maybe a bit of skill, who can do something different to what the other four players can do. So. If we're being completely ruthless, and that's what you need to be in the Premier League to, to get success, um, I'd say that that sentimentality, although although Barnes, Barnes has been a great player for us, if we I'd, I would prefer us to bring someone in who's a, offers something a little bit different and and say a very a very fond farewell to uh, to Ashley Barnes if that was to be the case. 
interesting opinions there. So I'm going to bring us back onto the the West Brom game, get back on track. And obviously their goal, I think it was the only real meaningful attack of the game for them. Um, there's been a lot said about the defending. Personally, I tweeted just after it happened. Um, three three goal three goals this season we've conceded. I think three times. Uh, Tarkovsky's unfortunately been to blame. Um, I know that you know many people have said, oh, there's there's other factors. And yes, the second goal at Chelsea, Ben Mee should be closer to Morata. Uh, but Tarkovsky finds himself in no man's land. The first goal, Tarkovsky doesn't go with his man. Uh, you know, obviously he leaves a, an easy chance. And yesterday, again, I think Tarkovsky just doesn't really put in much of a challenge, and he's the last man. So while there was mistakes before him. Um, he could still have saved the day and he, he, he didn't. Um, so we'll go to you first, Liam. I mean, for the goal, where do you think the blame lies? Um, looking back, I've only really seen like one highlight since um, yesterday. Um, you know, a fake fan and all that. But um, looking back on it, I think it's just... like I, I love Tarkowski to bits. I think that is... Like, like just watch him against Chelsea away. Just... Everything else to his game, his physicality, how he can just bully players out to, you know, like he bullied Batch Ray, you know, against Chelsea. So watching him, like he looks so confident, and I don't know if it's just like matter of fact, you know, matter of um, the more experience he gets, the better he'll be. I think we do still need to, pop, you know, stand centre back if it's something like a short or something like that. I don't think we'll we will sign him because I just can't see it happening personally. We've been, we've been linked with a lad from Celtic, um, which. I'm not too sure about that, but we do definitely still need to be mocking for centre back because looking at our other options, we have Tarkowski, Ben Mee, Kevin Long. He could do his job, but he's yet again not experienced in Premier League. So I think that I don't know I love Tarkowski a bit, but it is his fault that he could just lunge in. He can't. He seemed to like back out when he had a perfect opportunity to like lunge in, but you know save the day. That's what you said earlier, but. He just kind of panicked a bit and just, yeah, when you're a Premier League defender, you need to have full confidence in your actual ability. And that's why he just didn't prove for the result of that goal. I think like the, like the attacking the attacking question, I'm going to go and sit on the fence a little bit, uh, a little bit again. I, I, I think Ben Mee, Stephen Ward and, and James Tarkovsky were all equally to blame for, for West Brom's goal yesterday. Mee is a Goes up with a, quite a weak header. Um, we've beaten him the air far too easily. Ward is caught all sorts out out of position. I'm not really sure what he's doing there, and he was caught out, caught out far too easily. Uh, and Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky really struggled with Hal Robson Canoe's aggressiveness and his pace. So each of them made very different, very different mistakes in that move, and I'm not sure any of them is more or less to blame than the other. I'd also what I would also say is that I think it all comes down to the to the new style of playing that we've 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 been taking to this season. I think there's there's we played a lot more of a, a bit more of a progressive a progressive game. We were passing the, the ball a lot more. We were a bit more advanced in terms of going forward and, and looking for the goal and that naturally means that we're going to be a little bit less tight in defence. There was less emphasis on that organisation in defence. Uh, and that's always going to leave us open. You you can never have the two. You can never have be be more progressive and be more advanced and look to play some nicer, prettier football and try to get goals more, and also have that really tight, organised, packed defence. You can never never have the two. And I think looking at the way that that goal was conceded, and particularly the way that goal was defended, that for me really highlighted that that change. That I don't think that I don't think we come into that situation last season where we've got. One player out of defence and uh, so out of position, and another one really not in the in the position to really deal with Canu's um, ag- aggressive nature. Um, last season, that defence would be a lot more structured, organised. You had a flat defence; everyone would be in the, in the right place. That's that just wasn't the case yesterday. And that's not to say that's a bad thing because I think actually I would, if we can get it to work effectively, I would much rather play a more attractive style of football and, and really. Get some a style of football we can be attacking. You have the, the, the wingers doing the wings. There's some really nice football. Defoe pulling the strings, score lots of goals. If we can get that right, I would definitely much prefer to see that and see us being be effective in that system. But that will come. That that does come with a drawback. That there's going to be a little bit more of defensive uh, fragility. And we're not going to have that organisation at the back. So I think there's probably a, a multitude of factors in play there. What I would also say on Tarkovsky as well. Yes, he's. 
is probably it's 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 strange because I think he's had two very good performances in both of the games this season, yet has been at least partially at fault for each of each of the goals we've conceded, which is it's it's quite a strange situation. We can come away saying he's played well, except for <laughs> except for the goals. And I'd also say, although slightly different situation, because Tarkovsky is more is more experienced professionally, although not Premier League, uh, than Michael Keane was. Got to remember that Michael Keane didn't have. Um, a fantastic first first season with with us either. He was in and out of a team and got dropped for for Michael Duff as well. So we've got to give we've got to give him patience. We've got to have have some time to let him adapt to the league and and keep learning. Also, the whole team adapting to the to the new system as well, which is very different. Having said that, like Liam highlighted, our, our next backup is is Kevin Long, and behind that, I'm not sure where we go to uh, Taylor. I think uh, who brought him from Leeds, who's a left back. So we we, we certainly do need another body in there, uh, another centre defender. We've been very lucky in the last couple of years that Michael Keane and Ben Mee have been fit and available pretty much every game, but we can't guarantee that's going to happen. If, and if one of us, if Ben Mee or James Tarkovsky gets a serious injury or suspension, then Kevin Long comes into the, t- to the team on a long-term basis. And although I'm relatively happy for him to come in and, and fill in where he needs to be, I'm not sure we want him to be starting... 5, 10, 15 games this season so an extra body in there will be welcome but I'm not at the stage where I'm going to be writing anybody off um, right just yet I think that's very fair um, I thought the midfield was really good um, yesterday obviously unfortunately we came out of the game with nothing to show for it but in particular for me I thought Jack Cork was absolutely sensational I think he shows that he was um, the type of player we were missing last season obviously we did have Joey Barton for, for a spell uh, but he didn't quite see the, the Joey that had got us to the Premier League. Um, whereas Cork, I thought he was really, really good yesterday. Uh, he's great on the ball. So he's got a great, he can pick out a great pass as seen by Ward's goal at Chelsea. Um, and he was obviously heavily involved in the, the build-up to that chance that Volks probably really should have got to. Um, but having a, a trio of Hendrick, Defoe and, and Cork, personally could be something I never thought we'd see the likes of it at Turf Moor. Obviously, in previous Premier League seasons, we've mainly stuck with the guys who've, who've got us through the Championship. And while they were good players, great, great sort of top-half Championship players, they are probably lacking the quality to be a, a mid-table Premier League team. Uh, but I really feel that this season, we could have the makings of a, a mid-table uh, free in the, in the centre. Uh, so, come to you first, Kevin. I mean, what did you think of the midfield? How, how do you think that, that trio in the middle works? Yeah, certainly, certainly the midfield, uh, the central central area of the midfield was was magnificent. Particularly um, Cork and Defoe, Hendrick um, Hendrick probably didn't stand out quite as much as those two. Um, but that's not to say he had a particularly bad game. But it's just that Defoe and Cork were just was out out of his world in terms of their their relative performance in, in a Burnley team. Certainly, um, a massive fan of, of Stephen Defoe playing so deep. I think a lot of the time he was almost uh, neck and neck with uh, with uh, the back four. Uh, in terms of his position in the in the team, uh, and initially we do before the season, as I said, we want him playing behind the strikers because he's he's got that real creativity and he can really pick out a fantastic a fantastic goal making um, pass. But actually, I'm a, now a big fan of him in, in that deep role. I think he put. He, but I guess one of the one of the problems with him last season was that lack of lack of pace and, and athleticism, and um, one of the reasons we, we he struggled to to really fit into Dyche's system whereas I think that's those attributes are important when you're playing that that number 10 role whereas in the deep role it's not so much so he's allowed to to set the pace of the the game he's allowed to set the nature of how we're playing I think one of the big reasons for us being able to play this beautiful passing patient football is the fact that he's in there he's the one who who starts every move Um, and when he starts the move with this nice great football that, that then allows the rest of the team to do that so it's not something I expected to see from Stephen Tafoe this season but for me it's been it's been super effective so far and I'm really excited to hopefully see him continuing to do more of the same throughout the season really good um, positive on that as well by the way was the fact that he completed 90 minutes for the first time in a Burnley shirt which is really encouraging because again that was another thing that we struggled with last season and you start to worry that you know he started the team he started last season in the team and then Sean Dyche really lost a bit of confidence in him, I think. And one of the reasons for that was that 
lack of fitness, whereas he's, he's had a, a full preseason with us now, and he's cr- completed 90 minutes for the first time, which really shows, again, it shows Daish's belief in him, and it shows Defoe's, it shows how how well he's adapted to, to, to our team and to the Premier League and to Daish's system, so that's that's a really big positive for me. Um, and yeah, like you say, if we can keep those three, um, Defoe, Defoe, Cork and Hendrick fit and available in form this season, that would be a by far the by far the best uh, midfield partnership I, I've seen at Burnley. It's really, 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 really exciting. I think it's a very good point about Defoe playing ninety minutes. Obviously, it's not something we saw a lot of last season, but uh, great team start, uh, you know, start and finish a game. And I think a lot of people, when we made the double substitution, would have actually been expecting that he was one of the ones who was uh, going to make way. It's funny you say that. Actually, I think we're going to listen to some audio I recorded from the stand a little bit later and. Uh, if you listen carefully, when we make the, the substitution, you'll hear my mum go, oh, oh, I thought she was going to take Defoe off. What a surprise. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, keep your uh, ears peeled for that. Oh, and how about you, Vizzo? What do you make of uh, sort of that midfield trio in particular? It's it's absolutely beautiful, honestly. Like, just the thing is, like, you know, me growing up, um, like, we've always seen, like, 4 four two, you know, four four two football, you know, Two banks of four, and there's like Marnie or Brian Stock or James O'Connor in midfield, and like we have some actual quality in our team now. I think I braided it really well yesterday in terms of just link up play. Like we were doing some really good like just one twos and everything. It was just mad, and I don't know, just seeing that now, I don't know it just gets me a bit excited to be honest. Um, but I like, I mean, put put it this way. We're still quite new to the entire tactic. You know, those three are still quite new to getting to know each other and everything. So, I think the more that more game time we have, the more they actually can gel together, the better it'll be. Um, I guess my only kind of issue is the fact that, you know, if potentially one of them gets a red card or an injury or anything like that, then pretty much we have Westwood going in. Chances are our field could probably go make centre mid, which that's my worst nightmare all field players centre midfield. Just I really just don't like him playing uh, at all. Um I think that I think if I'm me a bit too um asking a bit too much if I wanna go for like another centre mid and transfer window, but it's not like Burns be making so many signings, especially if we want to get one of a similar quality. So I mean we've been linked with Lucas, but I think I think of Swansea's been going into getting now. But of course the more game time they get together, um they actually play the better it'll be, and if we could try and get, I know I, I probably I'm bringing back to the loan thing again because I think that the loan market can be so like crucial. But even if it's just a lad on loan, something like that, to bring a little bit of backup in centre mid, then I think that'd be just all, in, all important to me. No, I think that is a good point that with, with the three in midfield, you definitely need to have a, a little bit of backup there to to act as cover because obviously suspensions, injuries uh, can happen. Uh, even though we have got Dean Money to come back, obviously. Um, later on, obviously, Dash switched to three up front, which is something that's we've not really seen previously. In fact, often when we're chasing a game, Dash has made a change that looks a little bit defensive, and it's maybe uh, rubbed the crowd up the the wrong way. So, would be surprised to see three up front. I mean, personally, I was. I thought it was a a bold move. Obviously, it didn't quite pay off. I don't think we managed to uh, really find the the targets with a, a few of the more probing balls. Um, but Kevin, three up front, that's a, not a, a regular dash start. It's not, no. I, I think we, we've said that, we've said for a while this 4-5-1 this can very easily become 4-3-3. Three, three. So that, that that happened still, uh, so yesterday wasn't wasn't a huge surprise. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised to see two players who can really make things happen go off. Um, in in Brady and Goodmanson both going off uh, at the same time, that was a little bit surprising, maybe a little bit disappointing for me. I don't think um, either of them had their best game in a in a Burnley shirt, but at the same time, they they, they can make something happen. Um, they're one of those players who you can have you can kind of have a quiet game, and then they pop up with a a, a magical ball and, and really make a goal happen. That doesn't mean they're both going to play 90 minutes every match, but I would have expected at least one of them to to stay on the field. So that was a slight a slight surprise and a slight disappointment for me. And again, like we said earlier, we've got we then had three three quite similar players um, quite similar players up top, and I think we did revert to 
uh, I'm not going to say we refer to the, the style of play which we did last season in terms of being very um, very direct and aggressive, but we, we've certainly got the ball forward a lot more with a lot more urgency than we did earlier in the game and, and, and play the ball a little bit longer and a little bit quicker, whereas early in the game we were slow, patient, waiting for the opportunity. This time, um, after the red card and when we made the substitutions, it was very much get the ball forward um, as quickly as we can. So um, it was it was a different way of playing. It didn't particularly work. I don't think we created the chances of the same quality uh, than what we did before um, before the goal and before the red card. So in that respect, it didn't work. Having said that, Walters, with a, a little bit more time, gets an equaliser at the end. So it's it's a difficult one for me, but ultimately we 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 didn't score. I I wasn't so I wasn't surprised at all to really see us switch to a four three three because we've got like we're playing a one striker formation with four strikers in our entire club that oh for five strikers if including Aggie as well that can make a difference uh, for them all all experienced in playing Premier League football so I'm not surprised to see that whatsoever of course um, Louis using like the you know the width of the wings so I'm Brady and all that you know to actually go to the I guess we use the fullbacks a bit more but. When you have three strikers, just hoof the, just hoof the ball into there. They got Walters and Vaux and all that, and just I think that it could work. Um, I think when you're playing against like a West Brom, I don't think that I don't know. I mean, we did get we did get a good chance though with Walters at the end, but seeing those change of four three three, I think it can work quite well when you play against you know a team not West Brom, not Tony Pulis. If you guys can't tell, I'm really just despise playing against Tony Pulis. Always, I don't think I've ever seen us win a goal, win a game against him in my entire life. So, yeah, get nightmares. I think the the other key thing to talk about uh, with yesterday's game is uh, before the Chelsea game, we said that Chelsea probably wasn't going to be an indicator for how we expected our season to go. Uh, that obviously we expected to get beat the the, the reigning champions, which thankfully didn't happen. Um, and that it was going to be more of a case if we we judge how we're going to do against West Brom because the the games against the teams that are going to be around us in the league at Turf Moor was so important to us last season. Um, so does losing the the first game of the season at home against one of our big rivals uh, worry you at all, Kev? Not hugely. Um, obviously, it's not it's not encouraging, but not it, it doesn't really affect my confidence too much uh, for the season or my expectations. In in some way, you could say it gives you a little bit of encouragement in terms of the way we've played, the, the, the football we played, and the, the style of play we played. It's, it's actually quite exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that this season. Um, I think it was an encouraging performance, and that really, on a, as I said, on a, another day with a little bit more composure, we probably could have, we well, we we would have scored a couple before before West Brom get their goal, and then it's a it's a very different game. We we're probably talking here about. Opening the open the season with a hundred percent record, so I think on the other hand, it's also it's, you know, it's a different system, so it's going to take a little bit more, a, a little bit of time to adapt to. It's very different, I think, from what we played last season. So it's it's very difficult to judge at this, at this stage of the season. We've had we've had two very different results. Um, those results couldn't be couldn't be much further apart. Uh, beating, winning away at Chelsea, and then losing at home to West Brom. But for me, there have been very big positives to take out take out of both games more negatives than positives in, in this case but it's, I'm not at that stage where I'm, I'm just going to I'm, I'm going to get concerned and I think I'm still quite I'm still very excited about about the way we're playing I'm excited about the, the team we've got I'm excited about who could be coming in and I'm excited for the season as a whole I think we can still make a very big success of this I guess one slight concern we've got zero wins in five at home now whereas we've got two two wins out of three away from home so it's Conversely, whereas last season we we had a we used to Burnley having a magnificent home record and a terrible away record. That's actually been flipped on its head in the last um, last few games from the, the end of last season and the start of this season. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and see if uh, it's really important that we get we get Turf Moor back into a fortress um, for me. And the more games we go without winning, although obviously split between between two different seasons but we ended last season with a couple of really disappointing results at home both against West Brom again uh, and against West Ham and then we've started up again with, um, with in fact we should just stop playing teams who are called West let's get rid of teams called West I don't like them the longer we go without without winning at home 
does that start to become a monkey on our backs like it did um, did with the with your away record last season? So for me, our next home game is is going to be really important to, to see how we come through that. Yeah, I agree with Kev that um, I'm not all too worried at all about you know is as our home form not going to be good anymore. Um, if we got if it was similar to the Swansea game last year, if we actually look back on that, that it was a really dull game. There was only like one or two good opportunities. I remember like Volks. Like, in the last 20 minutes of the game, he had, like, a decent, like, half volley from, like, 25 yards out. And that was really it. There was, like, a keen pause well from a corner that should have been a penalty. Still not, um, still quite annoyed by that. But if we got dominated, then I would be kind of worried. But we are putting against our West, you know, Tony Pooley side. It's going to be a tough side to play against. Of course, all, t- all teams in Premier League, it's going to be hard to play against. But I'm not all too worried at all. I think on another day, it could be in a 2-0 win. It could be 3-0 win, 2-1. Um, when it comes to um, our way form, like, swapping round, um, I think that's just a matter of... I think because we always do well at the end of the, at the, end of the seasons. Um, we always, like, our way form. We always pick up one or two, like, away wins at the end of the year. So I think that... I think that's just a coincidence. Of course, playing against Crystal Palace, a win away at Chelsea, that's quite incredible, but... I think this year away would be a lot better. I think that switching to a four-five-one, I think that could. I think four-four-two. I just don't think that really works as much as you know as it used to. So four-five-one. I'm expecting at least. I mean, if I, I try to put a bet on like five plus away wins this year, and can't wait to lose all my money for doing that. So yeah, that's what I think about that. I think mentioning Swans is an interesting point as well because it, I think there were a lot of a lot of comparisons to draw between the West Brom game and our, our turf more opener from last season, Swansea. Um, in that we, we looked for a better team but then Swans, the, the, the visitors took one of their only chances of the game what you can also say from that, that there is some progress there in that we didn't create an awful lot against Swansea and we created lots against West Brom and West Brom are a better team than Swansea so <laughs> it's clutching its straws a little bit there uh, I think that's quite a reach but I think we can we, we can take some positives from that from that comparison as well okay one qu- last quick point on the game obviously there was a red card um, what, what did both of you make of it I, I thought it was a cynical uh, a challenge as you'll see uh, the ball's long gone by the time he even gets close to, to Lawton and uh, he you know he puts his forearm into his head and I think it's a well deserved uh, red I think it's just clumsiness and honestly I think it's just Maybe does this all got to his head for scoring goals and all that? I think it's just pure just being clumsy. I don't think it's anything cynical like he purposely tried to like get him injured or anything like that. I think it's just a late tackle and you got the red card like what he deserved to get. And I think there's not really much else to really say about that. It's just a really just clumsy tackle or jump elbow in the face. Quite Ashley Barnes-esque as well. So maybe he's been looking up on Ashley Barnes. Yeah, I think I think Ashley Barnes is a good example. I think Canoes. Aggressiveness is what led to the goal. I think he was brought on to be a bit more in our faces. Um, West Brom saw the, the positive of that with the goal and also saw the negative of that with the red card. Yeah, I think uh, obviously the lateness of the card as well just meant it wasn't quite enough time for us to, to work with to really take advantage of the, the, the man advantage. Okay, so we've been doing uh, new features this season to try and change up the way the podcast sounds. Um, and this week, Kevin uh, took some audio from the stand, so we're just going to insert that here through some magic of editing from Adam. Well, times like this is playing, Turf Moor is filling up, and we're ready to welcome Premier League football back to Burnley for another season. Come on, Burnley! We're seconds away from kickoff here. There we are. Burnley versus West Brom, Premier League. Here we go. Ah, early scare with the first 50 seconds here. Matt Lawton's caught on the ball, but the defence does well to keep it out. First real effort of the game for Burnley. Jeff Hendricks shooting just wide. Okay, we're coming into the game a lot more now. We've got a corner kick, which uh, Robbie Brady is about to take. How does that not go in? Uh, really good work from Cork. Uh, great ball into the box, and it's just inches away from Vokes making contact. If he 
heads that in, it's probably uh, probably a goal. Well, that's half time. We're probably disappointed not to be in the lead. Um, I think we've had the chances to to take the lead, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. So it's Burnley nil, West Brom nil. We played some nice football in that first half. Um, Defoe pulling the strings from um, very deep in the team. West Brom doing well in defence, putting a lot of men around uh, around our attacking players and really not giving us, giving us the space we need to have that breakthrough. Hopefully, it's coming early in the second half. Though. Well, we started the second half just as well as we ended the first. Uh, we've had a shot of the bar within the first 20, 30 seconds or so. Uh, so we can continue. Come on, Burnley. Free kick for West Brom in a dangerous position and we know this is where they can punish us. It's gone over. <sighs> I was very confident early in the match that we were going to get that goal eventually, but you're starting to worry now. You're looking at your watch and thinking, is there enough time? Uh, West Brom defending well. Um, we're going to have to do something different, I think, if we're going to um, get this goal. Oh. Oh, I don't believe it. All the goals, all the noises coming from the away end now. Um, West Brom have taken the lead. Um, Hal Robson can use come on. He's used a bit of pace and got past um, past Tarkovsky, I think it was, um, and fired into the back of the net. It's probably be one of the only chances of that all game they've taken it. Um, so we've got a challenge in our hands now. Substitution for the Clarets. Replacing the 12, Robbie Brady is number 19, Jonathan Waters. Replacing number 17, Johan Berg Goodmanson. Is number 10, Ashley Barnes. Many questions will be asked over that goal, uh, but for me, I think the most pertinent one is why is Hal Robson can he wear number four? Well, Hal Robson Canoe has been subbed onto the game. He's scored uh, the goal and now he's been sent off. He's walking off, as you can hear, to a very warm reception from the Clarence fans. Ten minutes to go with uh, man advantage. Well, Turf Moor's a much more nervy place now. Uh, Clarence trying to get forward with a bit more urgency but struggling to, to get through the the West Brom backline despite the, the man advantage. Not long to go now, about two minutes left of normal time. Oh, and Walter's just headed over bar. He has a lot more time and space than I think he thought he had. Um, that's probably it for Burnley's chances now. The visiting supporters are blowing the whistles. That's it. Defeat at Turf Moor. Burnley nil. West Brom 1. Uh, so, first of the two games we've got to quickly preview uh, this week. Um, Blackburn. Uh, the, the big rivalry. Yes. Um, in the Cup. It's, it's one of those ones I think... Maybe a lot of people didn't want us a draw, uh, particularly the police, obviously short notice to, to put together the usual draconian uh, restrictions on, on travel, uh, which means for at least for people like me, it's it's not worth it. I mean, why would I rush back to Burnley from Barrow and Furness to travel all the way back to Barrow and Furness after via Burnley, which is in the wrong direction. Um, but still, it's obviously a game that matters a lot to the fans. Uh, a long time spent waiting for that elusive win against Blackburn. So it's brought up a little bit of debate on Twitter on the, the night of the draw, and I'm sure we'll see plenty of it on uh, Tuesday evening and uh, Wednesday during the day in the build-up. But what sort of team uh, do you think we should feel? Personally, I'd be looking for us to, to play mainly a full-strength side, uh, maybe a few changes, change up uh, the strikers, change up the wingers a little bit and you know give rest to maybe someone like Defoe. But for the most part, I'd expect us to be a very competitive team. Uh, Kevin, what do you think Dash will do? I think, I think we'll we'll. I don't think Sean Dyche will will approach the game 
very much different to would if it, if it was most other cup um, oppositions, other than one change, uh, which would be. I, I usually I would expect Pope to play, but I think captain Tom Heaton will probably play given the context of the game. Other than that, I think it'll be probably half half of the same team and half players coming in. So I'd expect maybe Walters or or maybe Wood even to come in and start if he's signed on time and if Sean Dyche thinks this is the right to game to make his debut, probably knowing Sean Dyche probably wouldn't give Wood uh, a debut from the start against Blackburn, uh, could perhaps come on. Maybe Westwood come into mid- midfield and, uh, and Taylor come in at left back perhaps. Um, you're probably going to see a couple of changes like that. I'd probably expect maybe four or five, um, four or five changes to the to starting eleven, but nothing that's really going to massively affect our our the quality of the team. We, we, we're still going to go in there with a much stronger team than Blackburn are, uh, and that's that's such to the strength we've got now. Although I think we've got we could do with more different options out of the team. I think. You, you, in terms of the actual strength we've got outside the starting eleven, we've got some very... It's the best we, we've ever had as far as I'm concerned. So people talk about making sure we field our first eleven. I don't think that's really necessary. I think we can make the changes that we need to and still keep that, that same that same quality and that same threat that we would do otherwise. I think that's fair. And yourself, William, how, how do you think uh, Dash will approach the game? Um, one shout for um, the lineup against Blackburn. I'll be... I'd be kind of expecting a 4-4-2 here. Um, like, look at, at the depth of the squad. You know, we've actually got some nice some decent depth. We've got, you know, Taylor and Barzi as well. We've got fullbacks sorted out. I'd probably expect Kevin Long and maybe, like, a Ben Me kind of combination. I don't expect Tom Anderson to make, in, you know, to make a... To, to start in, well, I guess, Blackburn of all people. Um, Arfield down wings more so just because it's Arfield against Blackburn. I'd be... so uh, Yeah, I think a 4-4-2, I would actually would not be surprised if we come out with that. I think... That be more preferred having a two strikes on top. I don't know. I just feel like that be um, he may go for that kind of thing. I know probably on top, you know, probably like a Barnes and Walters, some of like that. But yeah, four four two. I'm I'm expecting that, and I feel it'll it'll score. It will. I think that's an interesting shot actually. Uh, you know, with the maybe the lack of depth in central midfield, the temptation to go four four two is is great. It means you can potentially rest two of your central midfielders and only have to bring one person in in, in the place, which I'd, I'd expect to be Ashley Westwood. I'd be very surprised if uh, we didn't see changes with the two full-backs and, and Westwood in the middle and uh, a change up front and potentially our field as well. But I think it'll very much stay a, a quality side. There they won't be much filler in there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see Taylor in his uh, hopefully in his first a competitive game for the Clarets. Um, so the the second question really about Blackburn is, I got a tweet um, earlier today, I think it was, yeah, earlier today, uh, from Matt Hamilton, who's a BargeR75 on Twitter. He said, show Rovers how important the rivalry is by naming the under-18s as our starting lineup. Hashtag Rovers, hashtag living in the past. Um, personally, I think it's still, you know, a massive rivalry for us, uh, even though there is now the golfing division. Uh, being... The age I am, 26. I've not seen Burnley beat Blackburn until obviously very recently. Um, before that, you know, I've always seen them uh, loading it over us in the Premier League and in that spell they had in the first division in the early noughties where uh, they gave us two absolute drummings. Um, it's still a bit of a sore point, I think, for people of my generation. I'd like to see us uh, try and build up uh, the sort of record they had where hopefully they don't win for 30 odd years. Um, so just just quickly to to summarise, I mean, Kevin, do you think the rivalry is still relevant now? I think that Barjar seventy five is completely wrong. Um, and in your intro, in your intro to this little section, you talked about some fans being the opposite of what they wanted. I I cannot understand that mentality at all. I want to play. I want to. I so happy when we saw Blackburn. I want to. I want to, It's for these are the games you long for as a, as a football fan. Surely it's these massive games against against your rivals, and that's when the the emotions are the highest, the tensions are the highest. Yeah, it's going to be terrifying. Yeah, every time they touch the ball, we're going to be hands over our heads, terrified and heart beating. But that's what you. That's what you enjoy football for. If you don't want to, if you don't want to feel that, if you don't want to feel terrified, um, then don't watch football. Go and. Go and watch golf or something. That's much less terrifying. Um, <laughs> Jesus, that's that, that's what it's all for. I mean, some tables, you know, say the, the is the is the rivalry a special now with two leagues above them. I'd say it absolutely is. I think 
on the, on the flip hand of that, I think absence makes the, these games more special. I think we sort of Preston fixture, although the fe- Preston rivalry is nowhere hardly compar- comparable to the Blackburn rivalry. I think there were some 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 comparisons we can make there. I think before we went our separate ways, we for a very long time we were playing Blackburn, t- uh, sorry, playing Preston twice every year for a very long time. It becomes less an event. It becomes okay, we're playing we're playing Preston again. I don't think that's, that would ever happen with Blackburn, but I think. When you don't play each other for, for a little while, it does make make it a lot more special. Um, I've only been watching Burnley since around like kind of the mid two thousands, and we've never ever in that period played Blackburn regularly. It's always been um, we've been in the same league for one year or same league for two years or whatever. And they've gone down, we've gone down, whatever it might be. Um, and for me, that makes it more special. It makes when you when you do play them, it makes that more. It makes it more of an occasion, uh, and it means that you know because you don't if you if you if you're playing the same team, if you're playing them over and over again every year, then when, if you get beat, you can say, okay, well, we're going to be playing them again next year, so we'll just get our revenge then. We, we can't say that this time. If We need to beat them now because we, we're not going to have an opportunity for hopefully a, a very long time to, to rectify it if they beat us. So for me, that makes it even more special, even more exciting and a bit more of an occasion. I think that's a very good point, actually. For me, um, obviously, we played Preston a lot uh you know, in the the late nineties and and through to till they eventually got relegated from the championship. And to me, that was like our everyday rivalry. But obviously, Blackburn was the team you wanted to get the opportunity to play, um, and you wanted the opportunity to beat. And because it came so often, just one season at a time, so two games in a spell, or obviously a cup game, um, you you really felt like you wanted the club to take that opportunity to to get the win. Uh, and then obviously, we went through the pain of when we were playing them more regularly, getting closer and closer and obviously deserving the wins. Uh, and it still was a little while until we eventually got to t- taste that sweet, sweet victory over our biggest rivals. Um, Liam, what, what do you think? Still as relevant as ever? Well, I think that Kevin hit it, hit the nail on the head on that one. It's, it's Blackburn. That's literally all you need to say. Um, of course, because I'm still quite young myself that like, all through my childhood, um, watching Burnley, like, like when I was growing up, we was just the most mediocre championship squad you could ever imagine. Um, and of course, Blackburn, they were always in Premier League when I was growing up. So we, every time we played against Blackburn, it was, I was always terrified because I was expect us just get smashed, uh, which we did um, back in our first Premier League season, which was yet again quite um, quite uh, quite dramatic. Um, it's Blackburn you always want to play against them. I get I um, touching up on the Preston, you know about the Preston rivalry and why that's not as big as what. You know the Blackburn one is because we do, you know, we do play them quite often compared to Blackburn. Um, I think I don't even know when, when was the last time we even played against Blackburn in a cup. Um, it's it's just what you want, and if you're a Burnley fan and you're not looking forward to playing against Blackburn, I generally don't know what's the point of you being a football fan. Um, it's, it's just that's just my honest opinion of it. It's a rivalry, and that's just what you kind of live football for. And if we do end up losing, then I may literally hide away for about five weeks because. And just that's all I'm gonna receive from like all Blackburn fans for like five months. So, well, until we play against them. So, yeah, please don't let me down, Dash. Really would have, really would appreciate that. No, I think that's a, a very good point. And, and to answer your question about when was the last time we uh, played in the FA Cup, uh, in a cup, it was the FA Cup in uh, March 2005. I was about to say it's the day Michael Hyde hit that fabulous uh, shot from the, the edge of the like, corner of the penalty area sort of region. Um, Sensational. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Cemented I, himself as a. He definitely didn't mean it. <laughs> definitely didn't mean it. Cemented, cemented himself as a legend, more of a legend than he already was for his baggy shorts. But um, yeah, I, and I believe um, I'm not 100 percent sure. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't think we've ever played them in the League Cup. So um, a first uh, on that front. Um, the other game we've got obviously to to have a quick look at is Tottenham next weekend. Um, obviously a massive side great last season uh, I've seen people say that they've not really added much this summer so will they still be able to compete at the top end uh, I think all they've done is sell sell Walker really and I think Kieran Trippi is a, a better player than him so I think if anything they've taken someone's money and uh, uh, upgraded from within obviously this season they're playing at Wembley for their home games while uh, White Hart Lane's redeveloped so the, the first question to me is do you think it'll be really weird playing a league game at Wembley because obviously we've been there for the the playoff final before, but it's is it going to take away the shine from other games, or is it just just going to be a little bit weird? How about you, Kevin? 
it's I guess it's 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 slightly weird. Obviously, it would be uh, probably an emotional game for us. Obviously, many fans, not so much for players, but the fans will be going there for the first time since that that magnificent game when Wade Elliott smashed a, a, a fantastic winner against Sheffield United to really bring us into the big time for, for the first time. That, and that goal has been, that's paved the way for everything we're, we're seeing now, the reason we're talking about Premier League, the reason we're a Premier League podcast now. So there'll be um, a many, many Burnley fans looking around thinking, you know, this was a, this was a special, a special day. I guess, I think, I think Wembley has, has lost a little bit of its romanticism of late. It's, it's 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 overused. I think a little bit for me. It's it's obviously cost uh, cost a lot of money a lot of money to build, and uh, VFA or Wembley or whoever it is needs to needs to make that money back. So things like cup cup semi finals being played there, a, a couple of other things. So for me, Wembley has lost it. It's not as special as it probably might have been otherwise. I think playing against um, Tottenham that. I suppose us to really go for it again um, against you know playing playing at Wembley. Yes, it's kind of lost like his you know special occasion kind of vibe. You know, back in like 2009, that it was only for like the final of like all like the playoffs and England games and all that. But I suppose us to really go out there and give it a go, give it a go because like you know it is kind of like the cup final because it's kind of known for having that kind of occasion around it. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think that when we go. Um, of course, being an away fan going to Wembley, of course, I'm really looking forward to that. So, hopefully, they can actually maybe uh, try and reverse our away win form. I, I mean, I won't mind that, to know, honestly. Yeah, and a very interesting point as well about being at Wembley is um, Tottenham's game today was uh, with a restricted capacity. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the reason behind that was, but next weekend uh, won't be. So, we could set the, I think we will set the Premier League record for and attendance with uh, with that game. Um, Tottenham obviously a difficult team to play against, but we managed to go to Chelsea and win. So, do you think we get a result here, Kevin? Um, I think that's uh, that's that's ambitious. Obviously, we've shown that we we've shown that we can do that. We can show we can compete against uh, a bigger club. I think I think conversely, the, the way we're if we're going to play in that same system, you could say that playing one of the big teams away from home suits us a little bit better than playing the likes of West Brom at home. Having said that, West uh, Tottenham are a, are a very good team. They're a very um, efficient team, a very professional team. Whereas Chelsea had a, a few wars in their in their squad and probably suffering mentally in a couple of couple of couple of ways in in that match. And obviously, Spurs will come into this match knowing that we we beat Chelsea at their place, so they'll be extra extra motivated, uh, extra mo- not extra motivated, but extra switched on. Um, to us and really, really making sure that they don't take us too lightly. So, to expect us to go and get a win is a bit of a stretch. But although we absolutely can do, I think a, a point would be a would be a fantastic result and and certainly something we we can we can aim for. And Vizzo, what do you think? Uh, opportunity to get a result? I don't see why not. Honestly, I mean Spurs at Wembley is usually you know from this Champions League games they've had. You know, they've been kind of weird, you know, but the size of the pitch is completely different. You know, they give get they get given much more time in the ball, so that you're know, in like tight spaces. They can't really use that to their advantage. You know, their dribbling skills. So I think a draw, I can see it happening. Honestly, I can see, I can generally see it happening. Uh, it's not just me just acting like you know, just like oh yeah, we can do this, we can do that. I generally think that we could probably probably get like a one-one draw somehow. That. Um, I'm just quite looking forward to it, to be honest. Yeah, I think obviously the point about the Champions League games there last season's uh, a, a key one. Um, they have struggled at, at Wembley, and uh, hopefully that continues, and we can we can steal something from them next week. Um, so the last question about the Tottenham game, and the last question of the podcast: defeat against West Brom at home, uh, probably not expected. Obviously, we played the same team as we did against Chelsea, and they were superb at Chelsea, uh, but. Would you be tempted to make changes if you were Dash, Kevin? No. Oh, nice, and, nice and short to the point. I like that. I think um, you know we we still showed that we were competitive against West Brom, and if we'd taken those chances, we could have won two one three one. Um, so it's all about taking the chances, and I think you hopefully have them practicing some of their headers this week after that was uh, the chances that seemed to go begging. So that's all we've got time for this week on the uh, No Never Podcast. Um, as always, 
please let us know what you think. We've tried a new feature today, so if you've got any feedback on it, drop us an email at podcast at knownandever.net. Um, massive thanks to Visa for joining us, uh, stepping in for Natalie, uh, who hopefully should be back next week. Um, big thanks to Adam, uh, as always. He's uh, behind, more of a behind-the-scenes guy. He's uh, editing this week's podcast. And thanks to Kevin for, for joining me. Um, I've been James Bird. This has been the No Never Podcast. Goodbye. This time last year. I'm sure there's people out there rolling their eyes and saying, oh, I can't believe they're talking about this, but we had to talk about it. It's such a big issue. And I, I don't think we could have ignored it. So when I first saw the tweets, I think, first of all, um, my first feeling was a bit, it was quite quite gutting. Um, I'm a gay man, I'm married to another man. And it was, um, yeah, it was almost, it was, it's quite surreal to read that from a player who, who you you, you know kind of idolised for the last year or so, and it's been such a big part of uh, our success. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.